All right, guys, as promised, here is the interview with my brother-in-law, who unfortunately came down with the coronavirus. We appreciate all of you guys for supporting us. Bear with us. We had to use Zoom. He is all the way in New York, so I apologize for the audio, but we did the best that we could. Enjoy. We love you. Bye. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Hey Journals. As promised, um, we have my brother-in-law on the podcast this week. He unfortunately came down with the coronavirus last week, I believe. So we'll talk to him more and find out. But I thought it would be beneficial and um, educational to have somebody who I can know personally who has had the coronavirus. So, Randy. Yes. Hey. How are you? Hey, pretty good. Good, yeah. How does it, how does it feel to know someone with Corona? <laughs> it feels great. It feels nice. really like it's bonding us even more. Yes, it's yeah. wonderful. So you're in New York. For our listeners that don't know, my husband, Bill, your brother, and you and your family, you guys are from New York, correct? Yes. Okay, so you've been there your whole life. Yeah, born and raised. Okay. And the area that you live in, is it pretty saturated with people or is it kind of more of a no, suburb? It's a, city, it's a city environment. There's many people. So oh, not like is. New York. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you're married. You have two little ones. Well, you actually have two little ones and then one big one. Yeah. Three. Three in and, total. And one wife. And one what? One wife? Yeah. <laughs> that's I'm sure she'll be excited to know that she's the only one okay yes. so walk me through what happened walk me through when you first had the signs and symptoms walk me through that all right uh just so people understand like I, I didn't realize the beginning symptoms until later on so I'll start with the very beginning symptoms but I didn't know that they were symptoms until I realized I had coronavirus and went to the hospital. Like until later. Okay. Yeah. But the very first symptom I had was like sharp stabbing pains in both my kidneys in the lower back. And it, really? it was, yeah, it wasn't like normal. I, I even mentioned to my wife, something's wrong. I don't think, you know, I said, something's wrong with my kidneys. I need to go to the doctors. And she basically said well you've been working around the house in the yard which I was so we kind of blew it off just thought it was from working a lot outside and stuff because I am a superb husband <laughs> and um, right I get that okay why is it so funny no it's not funny at all I mean you are superb uh, that makes perfect sense yeah, so at first you thought this is just like regular aches and pains. Could have just overexerted myself. Yes. Well, well, look. Well, look, the first signs you can justify, like through old age, through whatever, you could justify, man. That's the hard part. Right, but, right. Uh, but with corona, the symptoms stack on, stack upon 
each other like quickly. Right. So the next symptom I had was I had pain in my shoulder, like excruciating pain, like in my shoulder joint. Right. Yeah. And uh, it was like very, very intense pain. Like I almost went to the hospital for that. That's how bad it hurt. And uh, so blew that off too. Just figured maybe I'm getting arthritis or something in my shoulder or whatever. Like, and then uh, then the then I started getting a head cold. That was the next sign. This is probably three, maybe four or five days after the kidney stone. Okay, so there's a good amount of time. It wasn't like one day your kidney hurt, the next day your shoulder hurt, the next day you had a cold. It was pretty progressive, right? Right, yeah. Okay, okay. And then then, uh, during that time, within that gap period, I really, I had three nights of vivid night terrors. I've never had them before like that. Like just horrible dreams. And then, uh, and then after that, what was it? I just had a feeling of impending doom. I can't even explain it now. But it wasn't normal. Like I felt like I was like death was near, but I wasn't sick. I don't know how to explain that part, but that's yeah. exactly what happened. And then, uh, which what I want to say too. Obviously, I've been with your brother for eight years. And I've obviously known you eight years and you're a healthy person. I, you don't smoke. Um, I don't know you to be a big drinker. I mean, you live a pretty ordinary lifestyle. You don't, as far as I know, have any huge health issues. It's not like you have horrible lungs or it's not like you have some sort of other condition that you could say, oh, well, maybe this is what's going on. I mean, you're a fairly healthy guy. You have two, and when I say you have two, girls the reason why i said not three because your one daughter's older she's what she just turned 19 yeah yep and your two other ones though are babe like they're babies how old are they uh five and eight seven and how old are you 47 40s how old's bill he's 40 he's gonna be 48 in two days yes so i'm 46 then yeah. So it's not, I just wanted to really put through to our listeners that it's not like you have all of these health issues and you're a very sick person and you're not active. Like you are fairly active because you don't have a choice. You have little kids running around. You have a wife. You guys have a, a pretty active lifestyle for the most part. Yeah. And I'm pretty proud of myself. I stayed away from crack for this long. <laughs> Why is it funny? And that's the real, and that's the real, that's the real thing here is that like, you know, you stayed away from crack. You really beat all the statistics. Exactly. I okay, was, so I the, was, the, the kidney. I really didn't want to be a statistic. <laughs> I'm glad you were not really for our sake. Um, okay. So you had the kidney, you had the shoulder, impending doom. You just weren't feeling yourself. What happened next? Then I got a head cold. Uh, no sore throat, no cough. So at that time, I started looking up symptoms, and I did notice that there was the joint pain and some reported back pain, but the most common were cough and sore throat. So I just said, no, it's probably a cold or something at the time. Right. And then 
Yeah. So then what, what was next? Uh, because then I know I got a phone call from my, from your brother. And he just said, you know, Randy's not feeling great. And he kind of went over all of his symptoms and he kind of went over um, everything that was going on with him. And I told him, go get tested. Yeah. So um, how did that work? Because again, you're in a pretty populated area, right? Yeah. I, I quarantined from almost the beginning. Oh, you did? Yeah. I, I, I was scared to death of getting it. So I stayed quarantined. Did like, you ha had you quarantined before any of these symptoms had come yeah, up? Yeah, I was I was walking around with a mask on. I was probably the first one here that walked around with a mask. Even people were commenting, "Man, you're too safe." Stuff like that. I was downtown, everything with a with a mask on. Yeah. So after you but, decided, you know, I'm, I, I'm not feeling well, at what point were you like, I think I might have coronavirus. Like, I legitimately should get checked out. That was when, oh, so the next symptom was my, my breathing. The chest, like, started to get tight. And I, like, probably three days, I, my breathing got progressively worse. And then that's when I really said, man, something's not right. But again, I still tried to justify it because I didn't have a cough or a sore throat, which were the main two reasons, main two symptoms. Isn't it wild, so, though, like what we do as adults? Because I feel like that is a thing that all people do across the board globally. As adults, I feel like sometimes we get these symptoms, right? Or like warning shots where our body, I know in medical obviously you know that I work in medical. Um, w a lot of times we'll have a patient come in and they'll say things like, I had a symptom A, symptom B, symptom C. And the first thing we will all say is, did you go to the emergency room? Did you go to urgent yeah. care? No. Why? Well, because I thought I was working too hard. Well, because I just thought that I was short of breath. Well, and it's amazing as adults, and I, we don't do it because of ignorance. I think you don't want to be looked at when you go into an ER as being over dramatic, you don't want to yeah. go down there and they're just like, okay, there are real people down here who have a virus and you're just being dramatic, you know? So oftentimes we kind of downplay a lot of symptoms because we don't want to show up and be wasting other people's time. And I think at the time it was like a real big risk to go get checked because if you don't have it and then you're around people who really have it, and man, you're you're throwing yourself into an environment where it definitely is the hospital. So right, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's like the two things that are fighting in your head, trying to make the right decision. Do I have this? Don't I have this? At what point were you like, okay, this shit is serious? Like something else much larger is going on. This really may truly be coronavirus. So you you uh, I had. One day, this was when I posted on Facebook, I asked people to pray for me because my breathing totally was like breathing from a straw is how it felt. Like all day, just short breath of air. The only way you could get a good breath is to catch a normal breath of air is to take a deep breath. And um, But let me back up. In your mind, you know something's wrong. Right. You're, 
you're the only, you know your body more than anybody. I knew something was seriously wrong, but I kept saying it'll get better tomorrow, it'll get better. And the, the dangerous part of coronavirus is you can wake up so good. Then an hour later, you're like just broken. Yeah. So, I, I, so the point that really got me was I got up and I had extreme fatigue and dizzy spells and I felt disoriented on top of losing my breath. And that's when I freaked out and I realized I did a deeper search on coronavirus and I saw I had like a large amount of the symptoms. So I got a picture that you sent us of you in the hospital and them treating you. When you went in, what was your experience in the hospital? Because what, can you tell me, um, and if you don't want to share, that's totally fine, but what hospital did you go to in New York? Yeah, I went to the Buffalo Veterans Hospital. Okay, and then that's, a, I would assume, the Buffalo Veterans Hospital is a fairly large hospital? Yeah, it is, but it's probably a step up than when my daughter plays doctor. Okay. <laughs> it's probably a, a close, close comparison. A very close comparison. Okay. Yeah. So when you went in there, because you're a veteran, you go in and you immediately, how did that interaction go when you went down there? Yes. So that's the confusing part. Because as soon as you walk in, you tell them the symptoms, like they have someone standing there, like they won't even let you in the hospital. Like you, you, they're standing in the front monitoring you and all that stuff and when i told them my symptoms they all just freaked out like oh my gosh hurry up and like they took me to outside into a separate uh wing that they made into a corona ward that must have freaked you out oh yeah so they basically were treating me like i had it and then when i got in there they tested me for everything but coronavirus. Because which you I guys never have understood. Well, because you guys have a shortage, right? Of tests. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's what a lot of states are doing because they don't have the test. They can test you for ninety nine point nine percent of like what they believe it to be, you know, strep, bronchitis. Uh, the flu, all different strands of the flu. But because a lot of hospitals are running short. They're basically testing for every single thing that they know they can test for. And if you're coming back zero, 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 then they're going, okay, you have coronavirus. We don't have a test right now, but you have coronavirus. Yeah. And that's basically what happened. They did every test you could think of. Yeah. X-rays, everything, lungs, uh, shoulder, everything, everything, blood tests, uh, all that stuff. And they said, we basically ruled everything out and uh we're 99.9 percent .9 sure you have coronavirus yeah and we're very concerned about it but uh here you go you can't stay you gotta go home oh so they said you couldn't stay there no they wouldn't even test me either but wow. basically i want to give people a tip if they ever feel like they're having symptoms and they have to get a test they're gonna ask you three main questions or two two of the main questions they're going to say hey do you know anyone who was tested positive 
if you say no to that question, they're not going to test you. Oh, if, I see. Yeah, if you say, have you traveled out of the country in the last 30 days or whatever it is, if you say no to that, they don't test you. So those are the two key markers. That, so basically, if, if you feel like you want to know and you want to get tested, then I would suggest fibbing a little bit. <laughs> a little bit of a white lie. Um, I Okay, so, but even the picture that I saw, the gal that was taking your blood, she was not fucking around. Like, she had her whole outfit on. Girlfriend looked like this was the end of the world. When I saw that picture, I was like, that is aggressive, but also I'm jealous because I kind of want that whole outfit. Um, How long, obviously, they had to test you and do all of that. How long did it take for them to say, like, this is going to be the treatment plan. This is what we plan on doing. Did the health department reach out to you? The CDC, did they reach out to you? No, because if they don't, this is the hardest part. If they don't test you, they can't classify you as a number. So technically you do not, even though we know you had coronavirus, technically they cannot count you as one of the numbers because you didn't get tested. Exactly. Because they couldn't test you. Yeah, and I want to comfort the listeners by this. If they really think about what's going on, people like me who basically have coronavirus, because I went back and they basically did all this, they were going to do all the same things again. I said, no, no, test me. And they basically said, what's the point of testing? That's what they told me. Why, why, why do you need a test? I said, what do you, I said, why are you testing anybody? Right. What is it? what is the test for? I said, at minimum, at least you'll have accurate numbers. Right. You're you're scaring people right now because all they're really doing is confirming cases who are admitted into the hospital. Right. They're kind of confirming the cases that are the worst of the worst. And so you're, so as the people, we are not getting an accurate look at exactly how many numbers there are because there are so many other people that they go, well, we only have so many tests. We can't test yep. everybody. So we're going to, the ones that are more mild, you know, moderate to mild, we're going to go ahead and just test for everything. And if they come back as nothing, if we just can't, there's nothing else, we're classifying that as Corona, but we can't report test you. It. And so we're yeah. not going to be able to report it. So that's what I thought was so important for the listeners to understand, because I, it's not the reason why I wanted to have you on the show is not to scare anybody. That's was not the purpose of this. Yeah. I want people to be informed. I want people to understand that, you know, um, do you remember that movie? What's it called? It's not contagion. It's called uh... Star Wars. <laughs> what's the one with uh, Cuba Gooden Jr.? Boys in the Hood. No. What's it? Is it Contagion? Oh, yeah, John something. Isn't it John? No, it's... No, wait. It's let me not. look it up. Hold on. Cuba Gooden Jr. Cuba Gooden Jr. Virus. Okay. It was called... Oh, it was called Outbreak. So there's yeah. a movie called Outbreak that came out in 95, which is, is such an eerie film to watch now because it is so very similar to what we're going through now. But one of the main things that I always take back from that movie is that in the very beginning when things were, were, were um, being reported, 
they didn't have real numbers. And I remember them arguing back and forth in the movie. And the general said, well, we don't want to scare people. Um, there's only been, let's say, 10 people. And he said, if there's 10, there's 50. And if there's 50, there's 500. Like, these numbers can't be accurate because there's no possible way that no. we can test every single person. So it's not about scaring people. I don't want to scare anyone, but I do want people to understand that by not wearing your masks, by not wearing your gloves, by not washing your hands, by not keeping separate from other human beings, by not staying home, like I truly understand how difficult it is to be quarantined and to be in the house all day long. But the alternative is it continues to spread like a smoldering fire. People, someone said to me, it's like a wildfire. And I said, no, it's like a smoldering fire. We see the smoke. We're, the, the numbers that we see, that's the smoke. The people that can't be tested, that's the smoldering. And at some point, it will just erupt. And we don't want that. So we want everyone to try to do their part as shitty as this situation is in order to keep everybody safe and to have enough tests and have accurate numbers. If everybody does their part, it really does make a big difference. Yeah, so there's without a doubt, I know I had it. I've never been this physically sick for as long as it happened also. The length of it is just horrible. How it's long so has it been so far? So far, it's I'm going on my past my third week now, but I'm I'm okay. It's probably four or five days ago is when I really felt a lot better. Yeah, like, and you don't yeah. have that shortness of breath because even when we tried to do the interview before, it was really hard for you. You who sent me a text yeah. just four days ago, and you were like, yeah. "I just don't have enough breath right now to do this, but can we just wait?" And that was telling to me. I don't think people realize you know, your lungs, you, that's it, man. You don't have your lungs. You have nothing. And there's nothing scarier than when you cannot breathe. There is just, it is so frightening. Yeah. It's that feeling like when you're underwater, when you're swimming mm -hmm. and you know, it's time to go up for air and like just living like that is horrible. That feeling because then you're freaking out. But I wanted to go back to the point you were making that I believe this thing's been a all around longer. Like Yes. Yeah, I really truly believe that. A lot of people are saying they've had, like, if I didn't have the, the breathing part of it and I didn't know the word coronavirus, I would have thought I had a really bad flu. Flu or pneumonia. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, with, without the lung thing, I would have thought flu. Oh, without the lung thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I wanted to, to just make a quick point off of that. There's so many people like me who haven't been tested know they have it. That number they report is, I would say easily, it's in the millions who have it now. And, but if all you're doing is giving reports off to people who are hospitalized, then the death rate of it seems like it's a higher percentage when it's really not. If you think of all the people, even in my house, I was so bad. My, my kids had minor symptoms and my wife had absolutely none and it was done. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's an interesting time that we live in and 
I say that because, I mean, you've been to war, correct? Yeah. You've, you, you served in the military. You were in the army, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Army. So one of the things that my co-hosts AP and I were talking about last week is I said, it's hard when we're going through this now because it feels so consuming. It all feels so very consuming. And it feels like this is the biggest thing to ever happen to us, which it is a very large thing and I'm not downplaying it by any means. I take it so seriously, but our country has been through a lot. We've been through a lot as a people. Um, you think about the progressiveness, you think about just all the way around, all the way around. We've been through a lot. We've had nine 11. We've had our first black president, woman run for president. We've had wars. Uh, I mean, we've had so much going on. And I, I want people to stay positive and I want people to not get in their heads because it's so easy when you are isolated to really, you're only reading or looking or, or listening to certain things. And I, I just want to really, really drive home to people how important it is to take this seriously. Because even if it is just a minor case, even if someone says, okay, well, Randy had it, he had a very minor case, it was still so scary for you, your wife, and your three kids, even with, quote, unquote, a minor case of it. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was a minor case. I really couldn't. <laughs> oh, I'm agree. sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say an acute case. My bad. I'm sorry. I'm just saying what a medical professional may or may not allegedly say. Yeah. yeah. But I'm sure uh, it didn't feel that way. I'm sure it felt super scary, super overwhelming. And I'm sure it was very scary for your wife as well. Yeah. You just suffocate yourself to see how minor that is. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so I feel like, I feel like this comment I'm going to hear for a while, it's going to come yeah. back around at some point, maybe Christmas, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, <laughs> it's going to come back around. Well, how are you feeling now? How are your lungs? How's your breathing? How is everything, your stamina? How are you feeling now? Yeah, now, like, I can obviously speak now, like, without catching, without losing my breath, I'm able to do that. But I still have like that, like that. That shortness I of breath. Hope, yeah, I, I hope that I, it will fully recover. But they say it can take a, a long time. Like today, I slept six hours, like during the day. Like that's never happened. Like you're just yeah. so tired from fighting that you really, you don't feel yourself. And I still have like the, the fluish symptoms without the fever like I have the body chills the hot and cold flashes I still have all that but I don't have the breathing thing three weeks later yeah yeah um what did they treat you how did they what did they treat you with did they give you antibiotics did they what did they do yeah they gave me uh just Tylenol and a packet about coronavirus and basically that's the scary thing. There's nothing you can do. It's, there's no cure. There's nothing. That and I'm you not can laughing. Do. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just, it's such a wild thing because I work in medical, right? So people come into me and they're like, me and the doctor or provider that I work with, and they're just like, this is what's going on. My leg's falling off. I can deal with that. I can go, okay, we've got a contingency plan for that. Somebody can come in and go, uh, my back went out, or 
you know, I think I pulled out my arm or I think that I uh, tore my rotator cuff. There's a contingency plan for that. I know if you tell me A, B, I'm going to give you C. So we know that. But when it is such a scary thought as a, a person who is a medical professional, it is scary for even me to hear you say, I went in there, I couldn't breathe, my back hurt, my kidneys hurt, my shoulder hurt. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was underwater. I didn't feel great. And they basically said, hey, girl, here's some Tylenol. Catch you on the flip. Here's a pamphlet. Like, that's a scary. And then you just go home and just hope and pray for the best. They didn't do any sort of breathing treatments. They didn't give you any sort of, like, albuterol inhalers. No, there's nothing. That's That was when my reality check. That's when it really hit me, like, man. Like, when I went to the hospital and she said well why do you need to be tested the first thing i said to her was i feel as if i'm tested and it comes back positive then you would treat me different i said and she said no that's what you don't understand there's nothing we can do and that's when it really that's when it really hit me like damn that's the truth yeah, so like she was I basically thought, saying it without saying it, but she was basically yeah. saying without saying, what the fuck is the point? Okay, I test yeah. you, you become another number, but my our treatment plan doesn't change. I'm still going to give you the Tylenol, I'm still going to give you the pamphlet, and send you on your way, give you a kiss in your forehead, and tell your ass good luck. Like, that's it. Yeah, but I'm glad that happened, because I, like, really... Let me back up again. When I first thought that I was getting the symptoms, I started taking one-a-day vitamins, Mucinex, uh, Tylenol. I started taking all these things to help. And then uh, and one of the things... Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. So one of the things that I started drinking was tea with uh, lemon, ginger, garlic. It's... uh, nasty but but it really I felt like amazing after that like not amazing but I before I took those things I always had setbacks right after I took those I never had a setback but I increasingly got better and better as the day went on and I made my own breathing treatment oh what did you do yeah so for the listeners uh, boiled water my wife did this for me. She boiled water, put uh, Vicks vapor rub in it, banana peel, orange peel, freshly squeezed uh, lemon juice. Uh, and what else was it? It was uh, garlic and ginger. So I want to tell all of our listeners my sister in law is from Africa. Yeah. So she's got all the tips and the fucking tricks. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. if I had to believe I had to ask anyone what kind of shit I should be uh, mixing up in a fucking cauldron, my sister-in-law is oh, yeah. the first person we're going to hit up. She's the one. And it, it's crazy. Like, they they like have almost the opposite reaction. Oh, Corona? Dude, you ever heard of Ebola? They're like, our people are yeah. dropping like flies. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Like, uh, like it's it's funny but not funny like no I we make light of it i'm not making light of of course our listeners should know me well enough by now definitely not making light of ebola not making light of anyone who's passing away but you know the, one of the reasons why i love doing this podcast is because 
although we can talk about some really serious shit, we can also joke around because this shit is scary. And if we can't just make light of some things, we're going to go insane. I, I, um, I wasn't sure if you listened to the last episode, but I told my co-host that um, in Reno, which you've been now two times? Once. Once, once. Um, yeah. I was driving from my house, from our house, to therapy, which is probably like a good five miles. And then from therapy to work, which is another like eight miles. And on that trip, I saw two, maybe one person. And that was like at the beginning, like when I left my neighborhood, the entire way from therapy to my job, I saw no one. And just for a second, just for a moment, I really like, I almost started crying. I just, it like really made me so sad. It was like such a weird feeling. And it's not like I can look around at someone else and go, this is weird, right? No, because there's no one there because everyone is at home, you know, and there's, I know that it can feel so overwhelming. So if we don't try to make light of some things, we're going to go bananas, which is why right. I'm so glad that it's people are going online and they're really reaching out to friends and families and people are making fun videos and kids and family. Cause if we don't, we're going to go fucking insane. And that also is not good for your health. If you're going mentally insane, you might as well take your, <laughs> take your immune system and just pour it down the drain. Like part of your health is also mental health. You've got to be in a good mental place. Um, your brother is so funny. I came home like, I don't know, it's about a month ago now. And uh, I'd come home from work. And this is when Corona was just like, girlfriend was just starting her tour. And he said, okay, I've got vitamin C, D, A, B. I got D, like I got throat coat T. I was like, yeah. what's happening here? And he's like, it's not a joke. Like you've got to take your vitamins, Alex, every single day. You've got to take your, like, you've got to take your shit and make sure our immune system is at the peak that it can be where you're at. I was like, no, I, I, I agree with you. Like I get too busy and I'm the worst, but he was right. Part of the reason why I think some people who have been taking it a little bit more seriously have so far been unscathed is because I think people are kind of realizing now, let me boost my immune system. Let me get the, like, you know, we all joke around about drinking alcohol every night because we're stuck inside, but truly you need to be drinking an, enough water every day, taking your vitamins, mental health, whether it be meditating, talking to friends, your therapist online, whatever it is, you've got to be doing a checks and balance. It can't be one-sided where you're like, well, I'm taking vitamins, but I haven't been out of the house for a walk, gotten some fresh air, talked to a friend or family member. Like you, you got to be doing all the things and it's unfair that this yeah. is happening, but at least globally, we are all dealing with the exact same thing at the exact same time. So as much as it's easy for us to feel sorry for ourselves, which I totally get. And I've been there, realize that everybody's going through it at the exact same time. Yeah. It's basically the situation can't change. It is what it is. The only thing that can change is how we see that situation. And how we treat it. Mm -hmm. And how we learn from it or whatever. Mm -hmm. One thing I learned most about being in the military is humans' ability to adapt is unbelievable. Isn't like, it unbelievable? Yeah. You can be in peacetime and you can be in wartime and, man, you just find a, a way every time. And I say that to say basically we will get through this and a part of me thinks that we'll be, be through this even stronger 
ingenuity of people staying home and utilizing the internet and utilizing working use this time to build your skills read books you know uh build your person personal uh goal personality up yeah all those mm -hmm. things write mm -hmm. your goals out uh think about what you want to do with your life you're stuck but use the time wisely that's what i'm would tell people and Absolutely. also yeah and also like this is the first time and i'm, I'm sad to say like but the first time we actually sat as a family and played a board game with each other. Isn't and, it wild? Yeah. And like, man, that was so much fun. For you me. don't realize it. Yeah. For yeah. the kids, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to get, you know, I always take two things away from all of this. One is we are a resilient people. I don't care what globe, what state, oh, yeah. what country you're in. The one telling sign of that is always children, okay? So you see children who unfortunately come under tremendous abuse. They have seen tremendous things, things that as adults, I don't know we would be able to handle. But the resiliency of children, the beautifulness of a child to be able to move on and still have a life, have goals, go to college, make something of their life, not continue what happened to them, that, if anything, should tell human beings that if a child can learn some resiliency as adults, we can as well. And to use this time as a good time. Um, your brother is, you know, a very outgoing person. We both are. But as outgoing as I am, I'm actually very much an introvert. If I could stay at home all of the time um, and be a shut-in, I would. I obviously like going out. I like hanging out with my girlfriends. I love doing social things, but I think that people can misconstrue that in people in general. You have a podcast and I have all these great things that are outwardly, but truly inwardly, I like being inward. Um, and so I say that to say that a lot of times when you are that person, you don't realize that people who are extroverts really struggle like no introvert just all extrovert like your yeah, brother my mom. and your mom have a really yeah. hard time with being inside all the time so i told your brother i said he's like i just i gotta get out of here i just gotta get, get out of here and i said okay now listen to me i know you want to go out and you want to hang out with your friends i totally get that but one of the great things about being in a relationship we're so blessed to be able to have one another and to have keek and the three of us and the dogs to be together, we're so blessed. We could be locked oh. up inside and be alone by ourselves, but we're not. So during this time, make the most of it. Play your drums, learn your craft, take some time, meditate, yeah. really think about your goals. Really, if prayer's your thing, if Buddha or Gandhi or fucking Hanukkah, whatever it is, if that's your gig, really get in touch with yourself. This is the time to work on you. And I know it doesn't feel fair, but God, for me, I obviously believe in God. So do you. God has a purpose for us all. Yeah. And this, there is a purpose for being in a situation like this. Although it is not fun, we can use this opportunity to better ourselves, even though, and I know this for a fact, like 90% of the time I can better myself. But when we were all out in the world, I'm like, I want to better myself, but I've got brunch, but I've got this meeting, but I've got another recording, 
but I've got an interview, but I've got patience. Now it's so centralized. I have no choice but to look at myself and the things that I want to do and accomplish. Do you ever feel that way? Because you also have written a book. You've actually done quite a bit with your life. You are all about kids and the rights of children, the rights of the people in your city. Do you feel like people should really be gravitating towards this? And really, if you've got a message, this is the time to really get it out there. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing more um, accomplished than to sit down with yourself and figure out what it is that you were meant for, created for. Right. You have a gift. You have a gift in you. Something that somebody always compliments you. Oh, you're funny. Oh, you're, you write good. Oh, you speak good. Something that people always reinforce in you is usually the gift that you have. And use this time to, to search it out. For me, like, if we sit and all we think about is coronavirus, I'm in the house, then all you're going to get is fruits of negativity. Exactly. But if you look at, if you look at the other side of it, then man, you're really going to use this time to self edify that you would have never had this time to do before. Ever. And yeah. so I know this is a, a, a show to have good time to inform people, but to go through what I went through, I have to give uh, all my credit and glory to God for getting me through what I went through, because that was all you're basically doing is writing it out. There's nothing you can do other than boost your own immune system. Right. But really, if it wasn't for the time I spent reading the Bible or praying, if anything, those that afforded me the opportunity to not focus on coronavirus right focusing on other things so and also videos that's why I want I was thankful you asked me to do the podcast because one of the things that really got me through was listening to people's testimonies of how they got through it um just watching a lot of testimonies and I decided early to start journaling my journey on my Facebook account and it really has responded good i've got so many inboxes from people with symptoms or who are worried or whatever that really wanted that really took the time to reach out and i've met new people have new relationship friendships with people so i just want to i know that right now that's what i want to continue doing is be the hope that others gave for me when i was in that time no and that's perfect i'm so glad that you i legitimately i'm so glad that you said that because even when it's amazing you never realize as human beings i am 100 percent guilty of not being very self-facing um not taking a compliment, not realizing the the gravity of the measure, how, how you affect people. Right. Um, yeah. but when I was talking about you, obviously I, I'm still at work, I'm still going to work every day. And I was at work with one of the docs and I said, Oh my God, my brother-in-law, he's got Corona. He's so short of breath, you know, and we kind of just like talked it out. And then two days later I had to go back into work and the entire staff, all of them, all the docs, 
all five came over, found me, and they were just like, how's Randy? Is he doing okay? How is he feeling? And that really, like, almost made me tear up, like, really made me feel like, I know it doesn't feel like there's hope, but it's not hopeless. Like, all of these people who have never met you, never seen you, never even seen a picture of you, were so concerned about how you were doing. And I know it feels yeah. like people are assholes. People are fighting over toilet paper. Yeah, there's all that shit. Okay, yeah, okay. But like the majority of people are really coming together. And I really hope this is the catalyst to have our country, our globe come together because we have one common thing that we've never had before. You know, one yeah. country might be poor, one may not. You might be a person of a different color, ethnicity, gender, doesn't matter. Nothing has binded us together like this has binded us together without a choice. And it's one of those things where it's interesting to see how much people really do care. They really do care. They don't want anyone to get sick. And even the people that are being a little bit more ignorant about coronavirus, once they heard, they were like, oh my God, is Randy okay? Is he okay? And I was like, I can't believe you remembered his name. Yeah, he's, he's okay. He's feeling a little bit better. That's amazing. But it made it gave me hope. It really did give me hope, and it was nice yeah. for me be, to be able to. Your brother is at home all day; he doesn't get to see that. He doesn't get to experience that. So for me to be able to come home and say, like, people are rooting for him, they're praying for him. We have a prayer chain going. Like, we are worried about him. We love him. They love me, so by proxy, they love you. And yeah. people really did. And do care about people who are feeling ill and who are feeling sick. I just, I think that sometimes when you're so far removed from it, when you're not the one that's sick or you know nobody who is sick, it is really difficult to be able to understand the gravity of the coronavirus. And that's why I thought it was so important to have you on the show so that you really could explain to people the things that you were going through. Yeah, really the thing, if there's any good out of this, there's there's always some beauty in tragedy. Yes. And that, that beauty did, did you, is like, did did you just call me beautiful? Uh no, I called you tragedy, but Okay, well that's awkward. Go on. Billy's the beauty, you're the tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Uh but like there's always beauty in those things like for once like people just put their guards down put their for some reason like in tragedy that's when the human spirit is at its peak like yeah. we we are concerned with each other like any other time we don't even talk to neighbors right but 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 now that there's corona there's like this common denominator that we all grab onto yeah and, and it makes it easy for everyone to get along because we spotted a common denominator within each other right right how you're talking to neighbors you're knowing your neighbor and it's it's crazy but it's so good like we spent the last how many days not hearing kardashian headlines or all these other crazy headlines man like right right serious like it it's funny to a point but it's true we we're so enamorated with pointless mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. things that don't mean anything mean nothing all these mean nothing celebrities we idolize and all this they're hiding in our house like we are from yep. a virus it, it doesn't matter how much nothing. money you have yeah. and that's, that's the thing about illness it doesn't matter it's 
one of the reasons why I love my job so much is because it is always a reminder. I will have old people come in, the elderly come in all the time. You can take two people. One is poor. One is wealthy. The one that's wealthy has nobody. No, no one. Not a family member. Not a neighbor who wants to come check on them. Maybe they were an asshole early on. I don't know. They, they, have, they could have a whole story. And then you have someone poor who has all the support in the world, but no money. And the yep. person that's poor is smiling and feels hopeful. And the person that is wealthy who has no one does not feel that way. Even though they have the best insurance, they have all the money to get critical care. That doesn't replace human interaction. So it really is a time for people. I hope that people are taking this time to really reflect on the things that they really truly are important to them, important to their family, important to their foundation, because it is so important to remember to go back to basics. Just go back to basics. Exactly. Like, it's so, like, these times are powerful. And on top of it, like, we got blessed for with Tiger King. I mean, what a gem. What a gem. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That's a whole nother show right there. I'm, a, I'm obsessed. Okay, so we're going to do another show with you. And we're going to talk all about Tiger King because I'm obsessed. Um, your brother and I are actually going to watch it again for the oh, second yeah. time. Um, because, honestly, it's the gift that keeps giving. And we just told Keek, I said... I said, how was your week? She's like, it was uneventful. I've lost weight because I've literally been sleeping. I said, sounds like a teenager. Sounds about right. I said, in that time, did you watch Tiger King? She goes, I know everyone's talking about it. Should I watch it? And I said, I'm not going to feed you. You're not going to eat food if you don't watch Tiger King. That's the only way I'm going to feed you. What are you going to call social social services? They're not going to come over here. The coronavirus is going out. I haven't seen a cop in 15 days. So if you want your food... (laughs) You better you better start oh, watching yeah. Tiger King episode one. Let me know how you can feel about it. Yeah. Tiger it, King has brought us all together. Yeah, and it's funny, like how, dude, I haven't heard nothing about crimes going on. Like, race, crime, shooting, oh. shooting, shooting. Like, man, you haven't heard any of that stuff. No, because everybody's inside. I told Bill, I said, I haven't seen a black person since this started. I mean, we didn't have that many black people to begin with, but honey, I haven't seen not one black person, not a brown person, not a Malaysian person, not a mixed color person. I haven't seen not one person of color other than the two, three Chinese ladies that I work with and the one Korean, no one of color. I said, so I am just missing my people out here. I know in New York, you guys have a whole different situation, but I'm telling you what, my people are staying inside. Well, you got Bill. Oh, I've got him. He, I will tell you, he struggled. The first two weeks, he really struggled. And it was such a, it was so eye-opening to me because I don't understand that. And that's because I'm, a, I'm, although I'm an extrovert, I'm also an introvert. So I didn't understand that. I'm like, if, if, a, if a teacher tells me you cannot go outside, you've got to stay inside, I'm going to stay inside. The government says, this is what's going on. We have this virus. In order to contain, you must stay inside. For me, easy peasy. I'm inside. For him, it was really difficult. The first week, not a problem. He was gang gang. 
second week, homeboy was losing his mind. Oh, he yeah. was just like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I love you, but you're not my favorite person anymore. And I was like, well, that's hurtful for no reason. <laughs> um, but I think he was kind of resentful because I get to leave every day. I get to leave and go to work. But it's not a, I get to, and I have the privilege to. I am legitimately putting myself in harm's way every time I leave the yeah. fucking house. We're still seeing patients. It's not fun. I am so paranoid that I have started wiping down everything. Shoes. Like, you start to get in your fucking head because when you're seeing patients, it's not like I can drape them in plastic and be like, come on in, Sandra, who's 95. Like, you can't do that. You don't want to freak patients out. So yeah. I really had to learn to calm down. It's going to be, it's going to be okay. Don't go over the top, do everything that you can, but nothing may be good enough and you still may get it. I think now that we're going into the fourth week, he's turned a corner and I think now he's starting to settle in. Um, but I'm really thankful that he has his drums and he has you. And like I told him, I said, zoom with your brother, get on there, FaceTime with him. Look at him. You guys talk, like talk to your mom, whomever, like, you can't isolate yourself and just talk on the phone. That's not enough. You have to physically yeah. see people's faces. Yeah. On uh, a serious note, I want to thank like all the health care professionals like yourself. Who, man, they've really stepped up the the amount of tiredness, the amount, the lack of equipment, the lack of um, the all that stuff. And they're overtired, they're hurt, they're struggling. And I think what we don't see is the PTSD that they're going to have mm -hmm. coming away from this, seeing what they went through every day. Like, this is not the hardest part. The hardest part is coming after this. Yep. With the economy, it's coming back with, there's going to be suicides from this, unfortunately. People lost their businesses. They've lost their families. I know one girl in New York lost her whole entire family to coronavirus. Oh. Yeah, imagine it. And talk about survivor's guilt. Like, like the recovery of it is going to be insane. But uh, the healthcare professionals really need our support and our gratitude like for the amazing work they do they're so self-sacrificing right now like the ladies at the hospital that treated me like you willingly putting yourself in danger like risking your in risking your family everybody to to treat people and to care for others those are heroes that i hope at the end of all this we can reprioritize what we call a hero in america well, I mean, obviously you're a hero. You clearly were in the military. So obviously, again, that that bounces off me and bounces right back to you. But I'm sure as a veteran, you can understand that when you're just doing your job, you're doing your job. Like, you know, you have to, when you choose to take that sort of job, I know that like, when I go to work every day, when I leave this house, when I leave your brother and your niece, it is not about me. It is not about Bill. It is not about your niece. It is about whomever else. That's what I signed up to do from the beginning. And I've been doing it for 14 years. That's, that narrative has never changed, and it won't. Some people, yeah. it's just bred inside of you. So healthcare workers, although we really do appreciate everyone saying that, you know, we kind of laugh to ourselves in a, in a way, in a way, in a way. Because 
we don't know anything else. Yeah. We see a need and we're going to be there. You know, you're a veteran, you know how it is. If someone is in need, when you are a veteran, when you are on the clock, you're just, you're going to do everything in your power to help them. I think it is super great that people are acknowledging it because as healthcare workers, we tend to play it down because if we got really into our brains about it, we wouldn't go to work. So we just have to keep going every day, just get up, go in, get up, go in. Um, And I'm in a lucky scenario. You know, I chose to take myself out of a hospital setting years ago. But so for those men and women that are in the hospital setting, girl, you got my vote. I mean, they do an amazing job and they are doing the best that they can with what they have. And Reno, we are so lucky. I know that we are so blessed. We, things could have gone completely different and things are for the most part, not as bad as other places. So I, I recognize, I recognize how lucky we are to live where we are. Um, but I really just wanted to have you on because I, I do think this is so important. And again, not to scare anybody, but really to just drive home what symptoms look like, kind of what you went through, how you kind of second guessed yourself when you shouldn't, not right now. Any other time you want to do that, knock yourself out. But this is not the time to second guess yourself. Um, And I tell patients that every day, I'd rather you go and nothing happen then you not go and you not wake up. Yeah, and I think uh, I just want to reiterate that point. Nobody knows their body like they do. They know yep. when something's wrong. Like, and don't justify it. Don't. And the thing about coronavirus is it's so deceptive. Like you'll you'll feel like you're feeling wonderful, and then all of a sudden, bam! You're just hit. You're suffering. So, have you ever had the flu? Yeah. So yeah, I've had severe flu. I had a severe flu. How old am I? So maybe four years ago? I'd had the flu before. Yeah. And um, I went on this bachelorette party. And you remember I had Achilles tendon surgery. Yeah. And I always, and it's amazing because I always tell patients when your body starts acting different, that's warning signs. Your body is trying to scream to you, help me. And the more you don't listen, the more your body is going to up the warning signs every time. Obviously I know that. So I worked at the time in surgery and man, my, my, my foot where I'd had surgery on my Achilles tendon was super sore. And I thought, you know what? I probably just walked too much today. Like I probably haven't walked this much, even though in my brain, I knew I hadn't, but in my head, I just said, I justified it. I was like, Nope, I walked too much. Your brother takes me to the airport. I get on a plane, the plane lands. I land in Vegas and I'm like, man, I am just, my entire body is so sore. Like I worked out too hard but I work out every day. So there's like no way that I'm feeling this way. And I thought, you know what? It's travel, it's stress. I've got a lot going on. Justify, justify, justify. And we get to Vegas. We're supposed to spend Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday there. And by Friday night, I looked at one of my girlfriends who I shared a room with and I was like, no, but seriously, like something feels wrong. Like 
I just don't feel good. My whole body hurts. I just like, I can't even concentrate. I I'm trying to. And so, you know, like a champ, I'm from Reno, Nevada. We just, when we have a situation we got to get through, we're just like power through, suck down some alcohol. It's going to get you recharged. You're not going to think about it. You're at a bachelorette party. Don't be a wet, don't be a wet blanket. So I drank my way through and Saturday night happened and it was the Conor McGregor fight and Conor McGregor lost. And we were in a club and I thought, perfect. To myself, I thought, perfect. We're going to call this night early. There's 26 women here. We're going to call it early. Well, Conor McGregor shows up in the club. He looks at myself. He looks at AP. He looks at our girlfriends and he goes, his manager goes, all of you girls, can you come and do our VIP? I'm like, why? We are moms. They just breastfed. He was like, yeah, I know. We just want like women around. <laughs> cool. I'll drink your champagne for free. So we have a good time, truly had a good time. But by three o'clock in the morning, I remember I went into the bathroom and I sat on the toilet. I didn't pee, my pants were on, and I just started crying. And I was just like, my body hurts so bad. I have never in my life, never, I've had seven surgeries. Not one time in my life have I ever felt like this. And I remember crying in the bathroom, drying my eyes, putting on some more makeup, and going back into a crowded club to drink Dom Perignon. I get in there, we, it's like five in the morning, next thing I know, and AP, our other host, looked at me and goes, they wanna go to this next club. And I said, I started crying and I said, if you don't come back to the room with me right now, I will fight you. I will fight you. I will physically put my fucking hands on you in Vegas, in the casino. What would you like to do? And she started, she looked at me and she was like, what? And I said, I, I'm not fucking around. I don't feel good. I am in so much pain and I have really held it in till now. But if we don't leave out of this club, I'm going to put my fucking hands on you. And she was like, okay, you don't feel good. Let's go. Yeah. We, get, we, get, we get back to the room. The next morning you, we wake up, I'm still limping. Now my lymph nodes on my neck are out. It looks like golf balls on my neck golf balls on my groin. I mean, it was wild. My entire leg was swollen. We go to the airport. (laughs) The Uber driver who dropped us off said to me, oh my God, you really should see somebody. I was with two nurse practitioners and they both said, you should stay in Vegas and go to the hospital. You shouldn't leave. But I knew I'm a, I'm a medical. I was like, no way. If I go to the hospital, they're not gonna let me fly. So it's an hour, it's a 45 minute fucking flight. Like I just want to get home. My body is screaming at this point. It is screaming. My throat, my, my, my lymph nodes, I can't walk. And I'm still like a dumb bitch. Okay, I'll get on a fucking flight, spread it some more like an asshole. Get on the flight. Everyone's throwing up. I'm just trying to keep my sanity. I take a Xanax and I'm like, just let me sleep for 20 minutes. I get off the flight and I see your brother and I just start crying. And he just like grabs me and he's like, what is going on? And I was like, I don't know. I'm so sick. Like, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm at. Like, I need you to take me home. He gets me home. He gets me in bed. Keek probably was like, I don't know, nine at the time, 10. And she's sleeping. And he goes, I can't let's, he goes, you have to go to the emergency room, Alex. You are so sick. I have never even seen you like this. You're shivering. You won't eat. You won't take any liquids. Like you don't look good. We should take you in. 
And I was like, no, Kika's sleeping. I don't want to take her to the emergency room. She's only 10. I can't, we can't leave her home alone. Just wait until the morning and we'll go into the doctor. Still, my body is screaming, screaming, help me, help me, get me help. And I'm just like, nope, she needs to sleep. Nope, I don't want to inconvenience anybody. And so I laid there shivering, just fucking convulsing. And Bill just all night long got me tea, got me water, blankets, no blankets. Like he just did the best that he could. But I could see it in his face. He legitimately looked scared. He was like, I don't know what to do. Should I call 911? She told me not to. So the next morning, we get Keek to school. He goes, all right, let's get you to the doctor. I call my doctor and I just start crying. And I'm like, they knew me pretty well. And I just said, I don't know what's going on. My body is in so much pain. Can you please see me today? And they were like, get over here right now. Your brother takes me in. And I just laid on the table and I just was crying. And the doctor came in. They did a bunch of swabs and he comes back and he goes, oh, you have some rare um, mutated version of the flu. Jeez. He's like, did you get the flu shot? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, you have some different mutated ass gene. And he goes, it's attacking your um, ankle where you had your surgery. So we need to get the surgeon. I already called him. You need, your husband needs to drive you from here to there now. And I was like, what? And I was like, I think something else is wrong. I think I might have like leukemia or something. I'm serious. Like I'm, I was serious. Like I think something else is wrong. Like my, I've never felt this way. And he was like, I know it feels that way, but you have to trust me. It's just the flu, but it's attacking even your ankle where you had surgery and it's going to undo your surgery and you're going to have to have surgery again. And I was like, Oh fuck that shit. He got me in the car, drove me down there. They put an IV in. They got me on antibiotics. I stayed there for like six hours. They put me on orals. I went back every day for seven days. And I, I say all of this to say, from the beginning, my body was warning me. From the beginning, I was yeah. limping. My leg hurt. My back was hurting. I didn't feel good. I just didn't feel good. And instead, I didn't. And you know what happened? The girl that stayed in my room ended up getting the flu that turned into pneumonia. The other girl that stayed in our room ended up getting pink eye in both eyes. Not sure. Don't ask. Didn't have pink eye. She ended up getting the fucking flu. The third girl that stayed on the couch in our room ended up getting the flu and bronchitis. And then four, yes, four other girls that, and by the way, we shared no drinks because at that point I knew I was sick, but I just truly thought I had a cold. By the time the trip was all over and everyone was home, seven women had been affected because I didn't stay my ass at home. Seven yeah. women who were breastfeeding, had new kids, were home, like just living their life, were fucked up for a week and a half to two weeks. They did not go to work because I just couldn't stay my ass at home because I didn't listen to the signs that my body was giving me. Yeah, that's so selfish for people to do that. Mm-hmm. Like. Even now, like I would just stay home, man. Even after two weeks, they say quarantine two weeks, I still stay home because I have symptoms. I don't want to, like, but I see people like in the beginning, or my my daughter, she works at a convenience store, right? She says there's people coughing, and like, man, why would you even go out like that? Just even if you don't think it's that, just stay home, man. Have someone else 
go for you or do something. But if you have any little signs at this particular time, man, it doesn't cost anything to just stay home, man. Mm-mm. And just, but I, for the uh, listeners and all that, I knew I'd come on. So I wrote a list and a timeline of all the symptoms. Just Oh my God. Thank you. And if you send me that list, I'll also, when I post this episode tomorrow morning, I will also post that list. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. I'll send that over to you when we're done recording. Yeah. Read them out to me. What's the list? All right. Uh, so I wanted to give your listeners the list of symptoms with uh, the timeline that I remember. And so I want to read those off. Okay. And the, the very first symptom was sharp stabbing pains in my lower back in the kidney area on both sides. It wasn't a dull pain. It was sharp and stabbing like so much that I notified my wife that something was wrong. The second one, I was dyslargic in confusion. I had dizzy spells, and it was it's really hard to explain what that's like because I've never felt like that before, but it's like, I don't know. If you've ever been knocked out, I guess maybe feels like that. Number three, breathing started to become labored, but it wasn't bad, but definitely mm-hmm. noticeable. Four, sharp excruciating pains in my shoulder. And again, these are not specifically in order, but they're what I remember mostly. It was so bad, like it felt like my arm was on fire and someone was like digging my bone or something like that. It's hard to explain. Then I had head cold, sharp headaches, stomach pain, but I had no sore throat and no cough. Then my breathing worsened. I had to take really deep breaths just to get a breath of normal air and that's the time I felt like really concerned and that was about a week into it from the initial statements then I woke up feeling really good at about an hour later I felt like I was breathing from a straw and that was my first visit to the hospital after that, I woke up, felt better. I was laughing, joking. I was on the phone with Bill that morning. Just we were laughing, man. Everything. Like two hours later, I was went back to the hospital, and then I got back from that hospital, and I lost my taste and smell. Then I had red, swelling eyes. Um, but yeah, those are basically symptoms and I had full body chills hot and cold sweats symptoms of the flu body ache all that but I had no fever um I did have a fever for one day in the beginning of all this which I forgot to mention but uh yeah that's pretty pretty much it okay so I'm gonna ask you one last question before we wrap up here if you could go back if you could go back in time when would you have first went to the hospital? Like first symptom, when would you have gone? Uh, kidneys. Kidneys. But I don't think they would have ever been able to, even if I went at that time, I think it would have been too early too. Like they wouldn't have found anything because they didn't find it at later anyways. Yeah. So other than the kidneys, I my breathing is when I would have went. Your breathing. Okay. Yeah. 
but also, like I said before, I did at the time didn't want to go because I wasn't sure if I had it, and I knew if I went to an emergency room, I'd have a good chance that I got it. Yeah. Well, good. I'm I'm so happy, obviously, that you're feeling better. Um, I'm glad that you're on the mend. A lot of our, I know it just sounds so weird for me to say it out loud, but a lot of our listeners will be so happy that you don't know that you are feeling better. <laughs> so I know it sounds like it's like a weird thing to kind of digest, but a lot of people will be happy that you are doing better. And I know a lot of people have, were out there praying for you. So I'm glad that you're feeling better. Thank you so much for coming on the show and just sharing all of your symptoms and having fun with us, but really like keeping it real because again, it is so important. So thank you so much, Randy, for doing that. Not yeah. to mention, I mean, you really didn't have a choice. I mean, you're my brother-in-law and um, I'm pretty bossy. So you and Bill have to do what I say. It doesn't matter. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. But I wanted to do it. I'm no, a big fan you. of you. Big fan of the show. I, I like AP, AP's. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm, so, oh, I'm sorry. You don't. Okay. All right. Well, I'll talk to your wife about that. That seems hey. uh, very upsetting. No, both of oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, really, it's truly. <laughs> I'll let her know she is a big fan of you. No, I'm really glad yeah, you came I, on. Thank you so much. And we'll have yeah, you on again. Yeah, tell everyone, uh, thank you for their prayers. Thank you for their thoughts. I will. And uh, I really appreciate it. I know it definitely helped me get through it. So thank you for that. No, I 100% will. I definitely will send all of that positive energy on. We really appreciate you doing the show. And we will have you on again. You have a lot of great things. You've written a book. And you've actually have quite an interesting story. So I do want to have you on again in a different light um talking about different things we're gonna get through this but i'm really grateful i know that being sick people can get stigmatized and i'm really thankful that you were willing to come forward and talk about it so thank you so much yeah maybe i'll catch something else and then we'll talk again oh my god if you catch ebola i mean you're really gonna set the ratings off in this podcast i can't wait i can't wait get that wife of yours down there um, okay, you guys, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Hate Journals. Like I said before, uh, this is going to be a special little uh, additional episode, if you will. Um, you know, I know you guys are at home and you can't go anywhere. So this is the time for us to really give you some content. I know you're bored. There's only so many Kardashians. And like Randy said, there's only so many things that you can listen to over and over again. So I'm trying to keep fresh content and some serious things mixed with our funny show that we normally have on Fridays. So we're still going to release an episode on Friday. Don't fret. But I thought it was so important to do this. And I appreciate you guys for supporting us. We're supporting my brother-in-law. We love you so much. Randy, you may not know. You maybe you may remember, but at the end of each episode, uh, we say bye. So I'm going to say thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, you guys, this is going to wrap up this little mini episode of the Hate Journals. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in. You know, you can always follow us on the good old IG at the Hate Journals. And of course, we are on Twitter, Hate Journals, and our website is thehatejournals.com. All right, guys, we love you and we will see you on Friday. Bye.